Hello, and welcome back to an episode of Everything's 5x4. I'm your host, Steve. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've done this format. Three weeks, actually. I did an Everything's 2x12 episode a couple weeks ago, but I'm taking some time off. And I might just be talking to myself, but here I am, back again. All right, so how this podcast works for anyone who hasn't listened before. Um, I don't know if we're getting any new listeners at this point, but I'll pretend. So basically, I take five subjects, baseball, beer, books, soccer, and TV, and I talk about them for four minutes apiece. And hence the name of the series, Everything's Five by Four. And this episode is number 21. It's called... I'm not familiar with the type of thing I'm seeing. That's a Futurama reference. Calculon says it when Bender is acting very strangely in an episode of All My Circuits. And it's actually, unlike most episodes, most episodes I just name after lines from Futurama or Peep Show and they're just throw away. This time it's actually going to come up. So listen around for that. Uh, I don't have any prizes to give you or anything, but maybe I'll give you a prize anyway if you find it. All right. Okay, so I'm going to get started with baseball. Mostly, I just want to talk about the Field of Dreams game, but I'm going to hold off on that for a second because there's a lot that happened in baseball. The U.S. finished silver medalist to Japan in the Olympics. Of course, Japan had a professional team since the Nippon Professional Baseball League had an Olympic break built in, as did the Korean Baseball Organization, the KBO, in South Korea. The U.S. was playing with minor leaguers and players who play in Japan and players who are recently retired but call themselves free agents in the hopes that they'll get picked up somehow. And yeah, but they they fought valiantly. Uh, Tristan Casas, who's 21 and is a Red Sox prospect, uh, probably the biggest name prospect on the team, had a good Olympics. Tyler Austin, who plays in Japan, had a great Olympics. Um, but I think I want to get into something here. Um, Munitaka Murakami um, hit the decisive home run in the gold medal game. He plays for the Yakult Swallows. I'm mentioning his name because he's 21. He's played two and a half seasons in the MPB already. And he has 91 homers, 245 RBI, and a 913 OPS. So um, you hear, heard it here first. This guy will be in Major League Baseball someday unless he gets injured. But yeah, um, he looks like a huge star. Okay, um, also getting back to that, the Pacific League of NPB is actually on the Next Level Sports channel. I might start watching the Chibolote Marines because I'm missing the Samsung Lions and KBO. It's... Uh, something to watch that's a little different in the mornings. Uh, the Marines are managed by former Sox player Tadhito Gucci, and in the past have featured Julio Franco as well as Samsung Lions legend and KBO home run king Lee sung Yup. And I did actually watch the Lions this morning on the Neighbor TV website. Uh, lost to the KT Wiz, but only a game and a half out of first place. All right, so let's talk about Field of Dreams. So the White Sox played the Yankees last night in Iowa um, at a stadium built for the Field of Dreams movie. Just, you know, honestly, you can be cynical and say it's a money grab. It's just, you know, a ridiculous thing for attention in an otherwise 
quote unquote meaningless regular season game, but I still loved it. I think Sox fans loved it. I think a lot of baseball fans loved it. You had eight home runs uh, this year. The ball's been dead in. There was the sticky stuff issue. So you just don't expect that from many games. And just watching the balls fly into the corn was pretty cool. And you couldn't have scripted it better than Tim Anderson winning it with a walk-off home run. And I was I was saying to my cousin earlier today that, you know, it's it's a situation where there was so much doom and gloom. I was on a game thread in a Facebook group about that game. And just after Stanton hit a home run in the ninth to take the lead, we really thought it was over. Even though we should have known better with this White Sox lineup, um, TA, the face of the team, uh, hitting the walk-off home run, you, you can't script it any better than that. And it just washed away all that doom and gloom. It washed away uh, Joe Buck's questionable commentary, including referring to Dylan Cease as Albert Abreu. Uh, <laughs> I had to rewind that because I couldn't believe it was for real. And then other people pointed it out too. It's, it's just completely wild. And, uh, you know, some pretty bad balls and strikes calls, even though, um, you know, there was just something really different about this game. Um, you know, you didn't have balls and strikes on the scoreboard. There was there was very little um, modern pop and circumstance about it. Um, and I'm going a little over here. <laughs> but I think one interesting thing, too, uh, it just kind of shows the positive evolution of the game because you had let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. Field of Dreams 100 years ago, you would not have black and uh, dark complexion Latin players playing in this game. And a lot of them hit some pretty crucial home runs in this game. So um, going to the past, but showing the positive changes of the modern game uh, goes without saying. Okay, so moving on to beer. And actually a couple of these beers I drank while watching the Field of Dreams game. And the other one I'm actually drinking now as I record. Uh, why not? So I had a gift card to Total Wine. Uh, that's been sitting around for a while. And I decided to use it because unfortunately with uh, Delta ravaging Florida, it doesn't really feel very safe to go to breweries right now and to catch up on those ones I'm missing out on. And um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that uh, I could get into. I'm not going to get too into it, but you know my feelings about it. And uh, yeah, people are really disappointing that they're still not taking this seriously. That's that's what I can say. Uh, and that's why it's continuing in Florida to the degree it is. So I guess I did get into it. But let's get into beer. So I decided when I went to Total Wine that I was going to get a beer from a brewery in each of the major South Florida counties. So Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach. And I'm just going to talk about them in that order. So... For Miami-Dade is actually the one I'm drinking right now. It's unbranded salt and lime lager. It's out of unbranded brewery in Hialeah. Uh, depending on who you ask, Hialeah is either not really Miami or as Miami as you can get. Uh, <laughs> depends what parts of Miami you've been to. But enough on that. You know, it has a pretty fresh, almost floral smell to it. But the lime does come out. Uh, there's salt and lime on the nose, more on the finish, but not quite as much as I expected. So it's not quite as unique as I expected, but it's it's a good lager that does just enough to deliver on its promise of having salt and lime. 
And I'd, I'd actually be interested to stack it up against Hollywood Brewing's Limon, which is also brewed with limes, to see which is better. Um, from my memory, I'm going to say Limon's a little better, but this is pretty good. All right, from Broward County, we have Meetings Over from 26 Degrees Brewery in Pompano Beach. It's a double dry hopped IPA. Uh, it's got kind of an unfiltered dark straw color to it. Very strong, fresh, overpowering hop smell. Uh, it's multiple blended hops. So you get a lot of bitterness on the nose, but it's got a cleaner, more subtle finish. And I, I like it. It doesn't kill you with the hops. It is very strong, 9.2%. So, uh, you know, don't drink it if you're planning on driving or you're planning on having an easy night. You should probably make that your only beer. But yeah, I liked it. Um, all right, and representing Palm Beach, I had Saltwater Sea Cow Milk Stout. I've actually had this several times. Saltwater, as I said, as I think I said, is based in Delray Beach. They're a very environmentally sound brewery. They've for years been using recyclable six-pack materials that biodegrade into something edible for sea turtles, and that is awesome. I definitely support that, and I'm glad they continue to do it. So this is the first time I've always liked this beer. This is the first time I've really paid close attention, done tasting notes, though. The dark brown color, malty smell, trace of smoke on it, a little bit of chocolate milky sweetness on the nose, bit syrupy. Uh, there's traces of coffee and smokiness on the finish. I think it's got a little more character than most stouts, but... I will put on the caveat that I had this after having the 26 degrees meetings over. So maybe my palate was a little off, but I do really like this, this one a lot. And that's it for beer. Okay. So for books this week, I'm going to be reviewing the Anthropocene reviewed, which is a John green book of essays. This one's a little interesting because this he actually wrote for an adult audience, but I think more so for a millennial adult audience. Um, I would say in my 30s being uh, he's he's um, a younger Gen Xer. He's like five years older than me, but I still feel like a, a lot of that resonated with me. Um, you know, and I think I think that audience of maybe Xennials, you could call it. Uh, younger Gen X and older millennials. Well, this book really resonates. Uh, you know, it, it's a book that I think you can read together or you can just skip around and read certain chapters. I think it carries a little, little bit more weight if you read all the essays together uh, and see what he's trying to do with them um, and how they can be cohesive together. And this book is also interesting because it's it's at least partly based on a podcast he did, but there's also enough new material in there to, I think, make it interesting for anyone who didn't listen to the podcast. And full disclosure, I did not actually know it was a podcast once I uh, started reading it, found that out afterwards. And I might still listen to the podcast because I think he might be able to get into some more detail than the book or maybe the book gets into some more detail of the podcast. I think it would be an interesting point of comparison anyway. So he talks about a lot of different things. He talks uh, some of the things he reviews. He reviews Indianapolis. He reviews meningitis. He, he reviews uh, 
Jerry Doozy's uh, performance in the 2005 Champions League final for Liverpool, the academic decathlon, um, and Super Mario Kart. I'm not sure if I already mentioned that. I might have just mentioned it twice in a row, but Super Mario Kart is amazing. Uh, one of the greatest video games ever, in my opinion. So I'm glad it was in there. But I think he it's interesting because he brings in things like Super Mario Kart. Okay, so that's not going to be that serious, right? But he talks about meritocracy and um, equity in society related to Mario Kart, about how the slower players in Mario Kart uh, who are further back in the race tend to get things like the lightning bolt, which helps them get into a competitive position. Um, and that was a really interesting way to take that. Uh, he gets into a lot of interesting detail about Indianapolis, even if you're not a geography nerd or know anything about the city. Um, you know, and my only dis disappointment with the book is he talks, he has actually two essays that relate to Liverpool, but none related to AFC Wimbledon. But it, it is interesting because it talks about how he got into Liverpool in the 90s when, you know, you couldn't find it anywhere. You had to watch VHS tapes that were bootlegs from another country or something. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really interesting book. And he gets into enough different things that I think whatever you're interested in, if you're interested in John Green and his takes on things, uh, you can find it there. He talks about scratch and sniff stickers and makes it interesting. Um, so yeah, if you're a John Green fan or you just want to read uh, some interesting essays, I definitely recommend it. He also based the whole concept on reviewing things, like on how you review things on Yelp. Um, you know, and he made a whole book out of it, which was very good and at times actually tugged on your heartstrings. So another good effort from John Green, something a little different than he usually does. Okay, so soccer. Um, so I'm going to talk about two matches this week where you could kind of look at them as moral victories or being valiant in defeat. And the reality is in soccer, I think more than a lot of other sports, a result is a matter of perception. Uh, depends where you are in the table, what time of the season it is, even what the score is earlier in the game. So if you can see the goal at the last minute to for the other team to earn a draw and you blew a lead, that feels a lot worse than the other way around. If you score in stoppage time to get a draw, it feels like a victory. Um, you know, and I think both these matches I'm going to talk about uh, were losses. So it's a lot harder to look at losses that way because you look at them as nothing as opposed to draws where you at least get something out of it. Um, you know, and I think hockey is similar. Hockey has overtime losses where you do get a point out of it. So there's moral victories in hockey as well. But I'm going to move on to the matches themselves here. So Villarreal played Chelsea in the UEFA Super Cup, Villarreal were the Europa League champions last well, last year, three months ago, <laughs> and Chelsea were the Champions League champions uh, in that same time period back in May. And before this match, I saw two predictions predicting one predicted Chelsea would win 4-1, another one predicted Chelsea would win 3-1. And I've talked about this before, but Villarreal actually has a negative... Uh, transfer spending over the last five years 
Uh, Chelsea, Manchester United, and Arsenal all have spent over 300 million euros in that period just to give you about the gulf in spending between them and the types of players they get. So the upshot is Villarreal took Chelsea to penalties and ended up losing 6-5 on penalties. But I think there were a lot of positives in the display, you know, basically hung with Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea, I think, kind of dominated the first half, but Villarreal was clearly the better side in the second half. Um, so I think ending, um, ending normal time 1-1 was fair. There was a lot of great work by Bulea Dia. Um, I might have pronounced his first name wrong, but Villarreal's a new big signing on the wing. He assisted on Gerard Moreno's goal. Uh, you know, there were a lot of positives to be drawn from that match, and I'm looking forward to actually being able to see more Villarreal matches now that they're going to be on ESPN Plus, the league matches. Uh, first one's up on Monday. All right, uh, real quickly, the other one I want to talk about was Chicago House, um, the Nisa side in Chicago that was founded by Peter Wilt. I've talked about them on here before. Uh, you know, really great branding team I'm really excited about. They had their first league match. All their matches stream live on 11 Sports um, and lost 3-2, to two, but saved a penalty Conceded the winning goal in the 88th minute. So hung with Detroit City, who were the defending league champions, playing in Detroit, which is a difficult environment to play in because uh, Detroit City just has the most intense, um, rabid fan base of, I think, any lower league American city. You just have some really hardcore fans there. Good for them. It's a tough environment to play, I think, as an opposing player. And especially if you're a team that's brand new to Nisa. Um, Wojek Wachik, uh, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. He scored the first goal for the house, uh, passed over the top in the 25th minute. The house were actually leading at that point, first goal of the match, trailing 2-1 at the half, but Drew Connor, probably the biggest name on the team, scored a penalty to even it up at two early in the second half. Second half was pretty tight. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a fun game to watch. I look forward to watching more from them. Okay, so I've kind of gotten off track with re-watching Futurama. I think it's partly because a lot of uh, episodes of Futurama are now at Comedy Central in the mornings, and I tend to watch those, which is not in order. So I'm stuck in the middle of the second season of Futurama. I'm hoping to get back to that. But for now, I actually want to talk about The Walking Dead, kind of coming back from the dead, pun intended. So... There were some DVR issues, and the upshot is I missed the beginning of season 10 of The Walking Dead and didn't know what the streaming scenario would be like for that because AMC now has AMC Plus, and I thought I would get paywalled out from catching up. And more or less, since, you know, since the events of um, some of the events of season 9, maybe, maybe it was the end of season 8, I'm not going to give away any spoilers if anybody still wants to watch the whole series. But, you know, it kind of lost its footing, I think. And, you know, it's kind of going into season 10. I was kind of like, eh. Well, yeah, I'd say season 9 sort of lost its footing. I wasn't so sure. But the second half of season 10, even the first half of season 10 was uneven. Second half in season 10 is really honestly the best I think The Walking Dead has been in a while. Um. They introduced Princess, who I think is the most interesting new character in a while. Uh, there weren't a lot of deaths. It kind of just, there was a lot of building tension. 
Um, you know, and I think not to give away any spoilers because you don't know who I'm talking about if you haven't seen it, or if you have seen it, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, I actually generally like Half Moon's music and have been listening to it. It's up on YouTube. So I definitely recommend that, even if, well, I don't know. If you haven't seen the episodes, it's kind of a spoiler if you listen to the music based on the images with it. But, you know, uh, worth checking out. Uh, so, yeah, and actually, I'm going to get to the most important part here. The last episode of season 10 is actually Negan's origin story, which is a really weird place to leave uh, with the final episode of the season. However, I loved it. I thought they did a fantastic job with his origin story. Um, you understand a lot more about him, how he became who he was. Um, I think he's got a really interesting character development arc uh, that you would not expect if you saw it earlier in the show. Um, and there's going to be some interesting conflicts coming up in season 11, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I'd say the third to last episode of season 10, too, was, was pretty strange in that it was dark even by Walking Dead standards. <laughs> really dark. Um, a pretty notable guest appearance by um, Richard Patrick. Richard Patrick or Robert Patrick. I always forget which is which. One of them is the singer of Filter. The other one is the T-1000 from T2. It was the guy who played the T-1000. But very memorable guest appearance from him. And uh, so the last thing I'm going to get to, um, hint, hint, if you know the title of the show, uh, yeah, it's something I'm going to reference. So they just had the first episode of Riverdale. I'm just going to sneak this in here re real quick. Uh, first episode after a four-month break. It's still technically part of season five. And there was a very bizarre musical interlude that made me say I'm not familiar with the type of thing I'm seeing. And by Riverdale standards, that's a lot. Riverdale is a very bizarre, over-the-top show with a lot of musical interludes. This one was really strange and definitely worth watching. Uh, I'd like to hear some opinions about it, but yeah, I'm taking a Twitter break right now mostly, so I don't know. Uh, that's about it for TV this week. All right, and that pretty much does it for episode 21 of Everything's 5x4. Um, I actually have, I'm actually planning on doing an episode next week. Why not? Because um, I have an extra day off. I had planned to go see the White Sox play in St. Pete against the Rays. But with Delta spreading so rapidly, I figured being among unvaxxed, unmasked, and uh, many times unvaccinated crowds in an indoor stadium is probably a bad idea, especially since I am going to be traveling at the end of this month. Um, so, yeah, really disappointed in that. And... Um, if you don't get a vaccine, um, please, please at least wear a mask uh, and don't go out unnecessarily. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing most of the few people listening to this are either vaccinated or being careful. But if you know anyone who's not, just at least tell them wear a mask because uh, Delta's no joke. And even some vaccinated people are getting it now. Um, not serious cases, but any case is enough to um, mess up your plans for a week or two. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but on that down note, <laughs> thank you for thank you for listening. 
And uh, as always, thank you for listening for the few people who actually are. And you can reach me at everything's five by four at gmail.com. That's everything's no apostrophe five X four at gmail.com. You can mention where you heard the Easter egg with the episode title, or you can talk about your opinion of Riverdale or, um, you know, anything else I talked about, or just say you hated the show, Uh, whatever. (laughs) Just always nice to, to get fan mail. And I'll probably read on an episode if I get any. All right. So thanks for listening. And until next time, keep everything five by four. Bye.